Lesson number 145, Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 61 to 65. A short lesson. وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ And recall when we said to the angels, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the angels, He commanded them, what? أُسْجُدُوا adam All of you prostrate to Adam. When did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give this command to the angels? When He created Adam alayhi salam. And He had told the angels that, soon, that when you see Adam, then فَقَعُوا لَهُ سَاجِدِينَ All of you fall down in prostration to Adam. Now this prostration, what was it? Sajda, prostration, what is that for us? An act of worship. Isn't it? An act of servitude. However, remember that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling the angels to prostrate to Adam, this was not so that the angels are worshipping Adam alayhi salam. No. What was this sajda for? Ulama have said the sajda was for the purpose of greeting or for the purpose of honoring and respecting Adam alayhi salam. Do people do that to each other? They do that. Hmm? In certain cultures it's very prevalent. That even if a chef is, you know, bringing food and offering it, then, or when he's greeting people, then what happens? People bow in front of each other. Why? For the purpose of greeting, welcoming, honoring each other. Have we remember that this kind of sajda we're not allowed to do? Meaning, we as people, as Muslims, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to prostrate to another human being. Neither bending your body a little bit or a lot. We're not allowed to do that. What have we been taught in order to greet other people? Use our words and use our hand. And if you really, really want to show them your love, then you can hug them. Okay? As long as it's halal to hug them. Right? And if you wish to show respect to somebody, then how do you do that? Bend in front of them and curse them in your heart? How do you do that? Through your words, your polite, respectful words. Alright? Through your posture, like for example to the parents, what have we been told in the Quran? If you are bending your head so that your grandmother or your old very, very elderly lady, you know, relative, they can, you know, put their hand on your head, that's fine. Because you are bending so that they don't have to lift up their arm too much. You understand? Because you're much taller than them. And it's possible they already have a lot of pain in their shoulder or their arm. So don't force them to stretch out their arm so much. It's different. However, if you bend in order to greet them, that is not correct. Okay? So, fasajadu. The angels, what was their reaction? They all prostrated. Illa Iblis, except for Iblis. Was Iblis an angel? No. He was amongst the angels. He was a jinn. He is a jinn who was present in the company of the angels. Why? Because he was apparently very righteous, very pious, and he was in the company of the angels. Now, remember yesterday also we learned that test happens through unusual situations. Why? So that your reality is exposed. Does Allah already know about our reality? Of course He does. But He makes us go through different situations, unusual ones especially, so that what is in our heart is exposed. Why? There's multiple benefits in this. One is, we recognize our faults. The person who really seeks to improve himself will see his faults, and then inshallah he can work on them. He will benefit from this. 
You know, this is why for a believer, there is nothing such as a failure. Because in everything, there is a learning experience. Alright? Another benefit of this is that, others also get to know about the reality of a person. Allah already knows, but did the angels know about the reality of Iblis? Do they have knowledge of the unseen? Angels don't have knowledge of the unseen. They only have as much knowledge as Allah will give them. And we as human beings also, come to know about the reality of Iblis. Because you see, Adam salam he was given a favor, a special superiority over the rest of the creation. Angels are being made to prostrate to him. Now Iblis, he felt jealousy in his heart. Alright? But jealousy is concealed. If a person becomes jealous in the heart, does the word jealousy appear in his forehead? Does his temperature change or something? How do you find out that there is jealousy inside a person? Through his words, through his reaction, alright? When he goes through an unusual situation and then the reality is exposed. So over here, Iblis, his reality was exposed. And in that is a lesson for us, and a warning for us, and a learning for us, and also so that we see who is truly our enemy and who is truly our friend. So, فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ قَالَ He said, who? Iblis, he said, أَأَسْجُدُوا What? Should I prostrate لِمَنْ To the one who خَلَقْتَ You created طِينَ From clay. He's saying, what? Oh Allah, you are telling me to prostrate to someone who is made from clay and clay is inferior to me. I am better because I was made from fire and Adam has been made from clay. So why should I prostrate to him? Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us about this incident? Haven't we read this incident earlier in the Qur'an? Yes. The story of the creation of Adam and what happened with Iblis is mentioned numerous times in the Qur'an. At some places, in great length. And in other places, very briefly. Why? To remind us and to make us aware of Iblis's enmity towards us. And us, as in all of us, every single one of us over here, every single human being, Iblis is his enemy. Even those who worship him, and those who obey him, Iblis is still their enemy. He doesn't love mankind at all. He hates them. So this ayah, and the following ayah, they illustrate how much Iblis hates us, and how eager he is to lead us astray. Look at the length at which he is going to go to, in his enmity against us. You know, if a person hates someone, is jealous of them, they will try to harm them, okay? However, if they see that in this process they're losing all their money, and they're losing their time, what are they going to do? They're going to say, it's not worth it. You know what? I hate them. I don't want to see them. I'll move away. I'll never talk to them. I'll just completely cut off from them. Because I don't like them. But if this person is spending all of his money, all of his time, to the point that he's even putting his life in danger, what does that tell you about the kind of enmity that he has? What kind of enmity does he have? It's very, very serious. That he's willing to give up his own life. He's willing to remain in hell forever because of his enmity for Adam and his children. I mean, this is pretty serious. Very serious. So, we're being reminded of this enmity that just because you don't see shaitan and just because you don't hear him, don't forget about his enmity towards you. 
And this also shows towards the jealousy, it can literally blind a person. Enmity blinds a person. So much so that he doesn't even see where he is harming himself or herself. You know, for example, if we're envious of someone and we're talking about them, backbiting, on and on and on. Okay, we talk bad about them for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and we're like, <sighs> but you know what we just did? We burned our deeds. We literally destroyed them. This is what we're doing. By entertaining such evil feelings, who are we harming first and foremost? Ourselves. Shaitan is the best example of this. He went against Adam out of jealousy, and what happened? He lost everything he had. He's going to end up in hellfire forever. Qala, Iblis, he went on. He said, Ara'aytaka? Have you seen? Have you considered? Who is he talking to? Iblis is talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ara'aytaka? Have you seen? You see, Ara'ayta, what does ta mean? You, Ra'ayta, you saw. Ka, what does ka mean? You again. So when somebody's saying, you, you, have you seen this? Have you ever considered this? What does it show? Extreme anger. Ara'aytaka, oh Allah, have you seen hada, this guy, meaning this human being, this man, this bashar, Adam, alladhi, the one who karamta alayya, you honored over me? What is this thing that you have preferred over me? Why have you preferred him over me? These words, what do they reflect? Okay, they reflect arrogance, extreme arrogance. What else? Disrespect. Completely forgot about the proper etiquette of talking to the Lord of the worlds even. Arrogance, like I said earlier, it blinds a person. Jealousy blinds a person. Hatred blinds a person. He forgets all etiquette. He forgets all respect. He forgets himself. Surely if you delay me, you give me respite. To delay, to defer. You give me respite, meaning you let me live. Don't make me die إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Until the day of judgment لَأَحْتَنِي كَنَّ ذُرِّيَّتَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا I will surely destroy his children except for a few. Meaning there will be a few people who will survive but majority of the children of Adam I'm going to completely destroy them. I'm going to ruin them. What do we learn in this ayah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly honored Adam alayhi salam. Did Iblis admit that? Yes, he admitted that. كَرَّمْتَ alayya. And this is exactly what he was envious of. That why Adam? Why did you choose him above me? Why not me? And you see what this led him to? Extreme disrespect. More arrogance. What does this teach us? That if we have a problem with someone, having something that we don't have, having a privilege that we don't have, if we have a problem with them because of that issue, who do we actually have a problem with? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His qadr, His decree, His decision. So, in this process, a person is not just, you know, dealing with the other person, human being, in inappropriate way. In reality, he is dealing with who? In the wrong way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iblis said, لَإِنْ أَخَرْتَنِي إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ If you give me respite until the day of judgment, you let me live. 
I'm going to destroy his children. What is this word? Ahtanikanna. Ahtanikanna is from the root letters ha, noon, kaf, hanak. Hanak is the palate, the roof of the mouth. Okay, put your tongue over there. Okay, this is called hanak. Tahnik. You know what tahnik is? Have you heard about it? Tahnik is basically to chew, like for example, some dates. Okay, a little piece of it, a date. And then when it becomes really, really soft and mushy, then put that in the mouth of a baby. And where exactly? On the palate. Just a little bit. Okay? Why? The Prophet ﷺ did that with some children, right? This wasn't his habit, meaning he didn't do it with every single child. The Sahaba didn't continue with this afterwards, but the Prophet ﷺ did it. Alright? So this is tahnik. Hanak al-faras. Hanakal faras. What is faras? A horse. Now a horse when it's tethered, when there's a saddle on its back and the reins are also you know, put in place, where do they go from? Through the mouth. Isn't it? Which is why you see the poor horse you know, constantly adjusting his mouth. Right? So it goes through the mouth. So hanakal faras is to put a rope in the mouth of the horse. Why? In order to Control him. Because that's the first thing you need to do if you want to train the horse, if you want to tame him, if you want to make him run, if you want to go somewhere on him, that's the first thing you need to do. Take control, take charge over the horse. How will you do that? By putting the rope through his mouth. Hanakathu sin. What is sin? Sinan, teeth. Hanakathu sin is when a person's wisdom teeth come forth. Where are the wisdom teeth? At the back. Alright? Hanakat dahr. What is dahr? Time. It's when a person goes through rough times and people say about him that time has taught him. Meaning he's become an expert or he has gained a lot of experience. Now, keeping all these meanings in mind, what does it mean by ahtani kanna? That I will surely take control over his children and gain mastery over them. And I am going to train them. And I am going to make them run in my obedience. I'm going to rule over them. I'm going to be their boss. And with every person, I'm going to gain more and more experience. Have you ever ridden a horse? In order to ride a horse, what's the first thing you need? Confidence. Right? Confidence to come close to a horse and confidence to actually sit on the horse. Because if you're shaky and you're scared and you're not being firm in the way you hold the reins and in the manner that you sit and in the manner that you address the horse, what will happen? The horse is just going to go on his back legs and going to throw you off. So you need confidence. Look at the confidence of Iblis. He says, I'm going to ride these people. I'm going to ride them. And I'm going to make them run in my obedience. And I'm going to train them. I'm going to control them. You know, like a horse, imagine what a huge animal it is. Look at the power that it has. But a child rides it. A child can ride the horse. Human beings, Allah honored them, made the angels prostrate to Adam. And what is a blessing? I'm going to humiliate him and I'm going to make man under me. 
I'm going to rule over him. I'm going to order him and he's going to run in my obedience. I'm going to make him my servant. اِحْتَنَكَ الْجَرَادُ الْأَرْضِ اِحْتَنَكَ also means to destroy. So for example, اِحْتَنَكَ الْجَرَادُ What are jarad? Locusts. They اِحْتَنَكَ the ard meaning the locusts, they completely ate and consumed what was on the land. So whatever was growing on the land, the locusts basically put an end to it. They took over it. Has it ever happened with you that you have like a bag of rice or something in your house? And one day you find a lot of black creepy crawlies in the kitchen and you're wondering where they're coming from. And then when you find out what's the source, it's that bag of rice. And you see, they have taken over the bag of rice. What are you going to do with the rice? Put it in the compost. Right? Why? Because they've taken over it. They've taken over it. So you have to get rid of it. It has no more value now. Iblis says, I'm going to destroy his children so that they've got nothing, no value left in them, no honor. They're so humiliated, they have destroyed themselves so they're not even worthy of going close to Jannah. So what they deserve? Being thrown into hellfire. Allah honored man, taught man, guided man. Gave him Qur'an, gave him guidance, gave him money, subjected so many things to man. Why? So that man does something good and earns the high levels of Jannah. And what is shaitan out to do? Destroy man, ruin man. So that he's worth not even this dunya. And what does he deserve? Only hellfire. لَأَحْتَنِي كَنَّ ذُرِّيَتَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Notice the word إِلَّا قَلِيلًا what is qalil? Few. Meaning shaitan cannot destroy, cannot take with him all of mankind. He cannot ride and control all of mankind. All of mankind will not become his servants and his slaves. There will be some people who will not become slaves to shaitan. Rather, they will remain slaves to ar-Rahman. Qalila. If you notice, in the Qur'an so many times, a group is mentioned. And then a few people are exempted from them. Like for example, وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ Most of the people, how are they? Not that grateful. You won't find them to be grateful. Right? That means few people are grateful. Most people disbelieve. That means few people will believe. But what do we like? What everybody is doing. What the majority is upon. Right? We think is if everybody is saying this, it better be okay. If everybody is doing this, it better be okay. What do we learn from this? Majority of the people, what is their state? They are slaves to shaitan. This is a sad reality. Majority of mankind are slaves to shaitan. They are running in his obedience, following his orders, taking commands from him. Except for a few people. Recitation of these ayats. فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ قَالَ أَأَسْجُدُ لِمَنْ خَلَقْتَ طِينًا 
قال ارايت كهذا الذي كرمت علي لئن اخرتني الى يوم القيامه لاحتنك لاحتنك ذريته الا قليلا 